0: Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid all that winners
1: is gold Only shooting stars break the mold Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast This is Vanzi and we've got Billy here again to chat through the round one carnage that we've just seen how did you go for round one, Billy? Are you um, all looking good or are you frantically scrambling to try and fix your team up? I quit. <laughs> I think that's what half of us are doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, a bit of a rough start, mate, but nah, not panicking. Just a couple of um, a couple of um, trades for injuries and we'll see how we go from there.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a particularly good round myself either, but um, uh, I wasn't too discouraged. It's probably one of those things where um, you know half the stuff comes off and it, it's good when it does. Um, but you're never going to get all of it to come off, so you always need to expect a few curveballs in there and a few things to go wrong.
0: Yeah, it looks like Brownie's got another couple of weeks off again this year, but um, <laughs> I might not hold.
1: Yeah, so um, let's get stuck straight into it. So, I mean, today what we're going to do is we're just going to have a quick chat about uh, strategy for early rounds and how um, myself and also Billy sort of treat and target them and how we look going forward. Uh, We're going to do a quick review of the games on the weekend, Around the Grounds. Then after the Around the Grounds, we're going to have a look at TLT for Round 2. should be an interesting podcast. We've got a lot to cover. Um, But first things first, what I've probably noticed pretty much amongst every single group is people really scrambling and, uh, I dare say, panicking about Round 1. This is pretty normal. It happens pretty much every year. One of the things that I always tell myself, though, Billy, and I just... Oh, I, I never understand when people don't see it, is one round is not a sample size. And certainly one round isn't how you should rate a player for the rest of the season when it's round one that was also in the wet and was also a round that had you know the most errors in a, a first round of NRL football since 2013. I just... um. I don't understand guys thinking that what people did in round one is is what they're going to do for the rest of the year and trading accordingly.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, more so for expensive players, but I can see why um, uh, people do trade round um, round one to two. Though there there are cheapies that end up looking or mid mid range players that end up playing a lot more minutes than you thought or doing a lot better, and uh, you just got to get them in before they. Uh, you know, round round three when it's obvious that you want five players and there's only, only two that you can potentially do. So there are strategies, but, yeah, I'd, I'd hold the keepers at least one more round for now. Yeah, I mean,
1: look, I'm going to go through my strategy briefly on the early rounds, uh, and then I'll pass over to you because I know that you've done quite a bit of research in, in how you're going to tackle things going forward. Um, but for me, um, when I say panic trading, you know, rating guys off, off the first round, I'm particularly talking about keepers. So someone like James Tedesco is a really good example. I started with James Tedesco because I thought he was going to have a good season. Just because he went poorly in round one, there's absolutely no chance that I'm trading James Tedesco, none at all. Having said that, when you've got like non-keepers, certainly guys that are injured or haven't been named, um, then it makes sense to, to balance out your team. Probably guys at a low end, so even the risks. So Someone like Kerrit Holland is a good example. I like probably want to wait another round to see what Kerrud Holland looks like. Kerry Holland was always a guy who was one of my last players picked, and he was a, um, a not quite a, sh- a shot in the dark, but a calculated risk. So I was happy enough if he came off, and I was hopeful. But if he didn't, you know, he's a guy that I could easily use to rebalance my team. My general strategy for the first you know, couple of rounds, I will burn all my trades, um, generally speaking, because I'm doing it to balance my team out and to get it where it needs to be for round three. What everyone needs to remember is, um, I've seen a lot of people looking at break-evens as well. Break-evens don't even matter until we get to round three. They're going to change. Um, They're they're not going to matter for round one at all. But what you do need to do is have a look at where you're going to be in round three and plan your trades for round one and round two accordingly. So what I mean is I'll normally at this point have a bit of a shortlist. And at the moment, I've got seven players on my shortlist. I'll write down all the players who I'm interested in. Now, whether they are a gun like Tal Malolo um, or they're a uh, mid-round cash cow like Burns from South Sydney, uh, they're all on my list. Um, and then I'll have a look at that list. I'll look at the fact that I've got four trades in the next two weeks. I'll have a list of guys that are going to be on notice or guys that are collateral damage. Um, and then I'll have a look at who I need to trade for this week and who I need to trade for round two to be prepared for round three. So everyone's strategy is different, Billy. For me, pretty much, I look at the first couple of rounds of the season like I'm building up to almost round one again. So round three is is pretty much my round one. You know, the first couple of rounds are me getting my team ready based on what we know happened on the field, what I need to do before those price rises. Are you in a similar boat in sort of how you view your team and how you value your trades early?
0: Uh yeah, mate. I um used to take a different school of thought but this is the first year I'm doing it. Um I don't think I've ever traded round one before ever, really. Um and unless there was a, there was an injury. I've always given, you know, idiots like Rapana and Milford and god knows what a second chance and then uh, worn the heart on the sleeve and gone, No, nah, I'll give it for another week, another week, another week to the point where, you know, six hundred thousand players worth three hundred grand the season's well gone. But um taking your approach this year and realizing that there's only sort of um, two trades round three and injuries happen and there's, there's uh, guys that sort of are doing well that you pretty much know are going to increase in price. and know Burns, potentially Garner, people, people like that. So I'm going to do the whole lot. You know, just get in Bateman now because his minutes are doing really well and he's not going to do any worse. And use the spare change to get someone like you know Burns in because although it is one game, his two-game sample from last year um, had a base of 45 to 50, so things are starting to line up, and you can see that guys like that aren't going to fall away. So uh, the ones that are sort of falling into line, like you said, just burn a couple of trades early now, get them in. as so that way you've got a couple up your sleeve for injury next week or try to choose between uh, between two out of maybe three or four guys as opposed to choose uh, between two out of five because you didn't trade round one.
1: Yeah, I think it's also a really good time to sort of swallow your pride as well. So um, particularly for like the newer coaches um, who maybe made some really big errors, this is, you know, a free opportunity for you to be able to make up for those errors. So probably a couple of guys that I'll mention in particular, um, you know, we we said on this podcast many times, Adam Kieran and Britton Nakora were both must-haves um, as a, a goal-kicking half 5'8 that Kieran is um, with basically a guaranteed starting spot at the moment. Um, and Britton Nakora um, as a dual centre-wing second rower who was potentially going to play 60 to 80 minutes and ended up playing 80 minutes. You know, I, I think those two guys, if you didn't have them, they were big mistakes not to have them. Um, and it completely makes sense for you to make sure you get those guys in, um, if not this week, then next week before round three, for instance.
0: Yeah, and, and on the flip side too, so like, if there's guys you know you want to get, just, just get them. But yeah, the guys like... Um, yeah, Holland, for example. People look at his 36 and go, look, the guy is absolutely... You know, Updated to 42, to actually.
1: So it wasn't that bad. Updated yeah.
0: to 42. Yeah, that's where we're going. So like, like he fluctuated between, I think it was a 44 at one point, where he backwards and forward. So you know, for, for a team that got absolutely flogged by, what, six or seven tries, scored one goal, did absolutely nothing, and still scored, what, 40 at the centre three-quarter position when he's got uh, um, a, a soft draw coming up you've got to give guys like that another chance because worst case scenario they're not going to lose any money yeah that's right um, I mean particularly for me
1: like I'm I'm loath to trade the guns like I, I might actually sacrifice Holland um, only because he might be a means to an end to get two guys in that I know are really going to make a lot of cash come round three you know maybe he's someone that you do sacrifice me personally like I, I'm just never going to sacrifice those guns based off one round and And again, look, I don't want to harp on about it, but I can't believe the amount of people who are saying, you know, James Tedesco is not worth having um, because he scored, you know, 30-odd for round one. Um, Or even someone like um, Hodgson. I've seen a lot of people go, I'm going to trade Josh Hodgson for Jake Friend. And I mean, if you started with Hodgson, you shouldn't be now thinking after round one that it was a, a massive mistake just because he only scored 50. You know Josh Hodgson, someone who, if you got him in to start with, you're probably getting him in as well because he was going to play in round 12. And even though Jake Friend had one good round, you know one of the biggest things about super is chasing last week's points with a lot, which a lot of people will know about, um, if you if you were to trade Hodgson for Friend, you were just as likely for this round to have Hodgson score a 98 and Friend to score a 50, and for it to be completely reversed, and you just miss out on it. You know some of these guys average. 70 points like Tedesco for the season but it doesn't mean they're going to score you 70 every week you're going to have some great ones where he scores 110 and you're going to have some crappy ones like round one where he's going to score 30 but if you don't hold him you're going to miss out on the 110s that are coming up and you're going to be burning trades so you know I, I'm loath to trade any of the keepers that I start with round one because I feel like that we've researched them enough and decided on them and you've got to give them enough time unless they're either injured or, like, really looking terrible to, um, to give them a dump after one game.
0: Yeah, quick stat there. Um, Teddy actually scored 35 round one last year and 20 round three last year and finished the season with a 74 average. So, yeah, just keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, that's a really good stat as well and it really illustrates, you know, what you're going to miss out on. I mean, definitely look at, look at guys round two. If you're going to make some decisions, and another good example is um, Big Tappany he played 80 minutes, which was a plus, but he scored poorly, and I can see a lot of people jumping off him. Now, I understand he wasn't a um, a fully-fledged, definite keeper guy, but you've got a free look this round to see what he looks like. If you don't have to, I think you're much better off seeing this week because, you know, ask yourself, if he scores 80 points this week, are you definitely going to want to trade him for round three, or are you happy enough to maybe hold him and think that the first round's an anomaly, so... That second week before um, price fluctuations actually start to happen is really good if you can give yourself that week as well.
0: Yeah, and like, we've, like we discussed in the previous pods and like everyone already knows, dude, him and Fitzgibbon have a base of 40, 45. Unless he scores a try, he's only going to score 40. And those two guys score a try what, every second game almost so a lot of averages just wait for that second game at least how it goes and remember the whole weekend was played in the wet how many edges do you think are going to barge over the line with short balls everything's going to be right up the middle yeah
1: exactly right now billy you had some research in um how to tackle this first half of the season and and what you're actually going to do going forward uh what have you looked at as far as
0: um trade-out strategy and how you're going to tackle it yeah, I just spent an hour before just going through the entire draw, trying to look at our um, strengths and weaknesses of the draw. Now, um, I know there's sort of 500 of these uh, hanging around, um, especially the um, NRL SuperCoach stat site. Um, he's got a really good matrix up, heat matrix up there. But what I've done is just map out the actual round where you want to trade people in based based on on their draw. Um, so I'll draw this up in a spreadsheet for us and circulated somehow but very very quickly tigers uh route, tigers and eels r- round two you've got the tigers just have a massive soft draw uh, uh right now i'm not going to go i'm not going to go into everyone's individual draw just go and look them up but from right from now tigers have the softest draw so if you've got them great um if not get get those couple of guys in right now and the the eels middles only don't worry, don't worry about um outside backs now but the eels um uh, hot and cold draw for now. Just get those guys in. Rabbits and Warriors have a really, really great draw from round three. Um, so Burns is a really good target for round for round three. Um, everyone sort of owns Murray uh, right now. Surges can probably wait, but. Uh, any outside warriors, backs, or guys you don't know that might have a massive uh, negative break-even, they'll be a good pick-up around round three. They've got a good sort of five or six-game stretch where you can um, hold them for a few rounds and sell them, sell them at a peak for someone from the dogs in round eight. Um, dragons and Knights, although they don't play the first buy, they've both got a really soft draw for about sort of four or five rounds from round five. So if you're looking for, for Matty it to... Um, to bounce back round five or um, someone like Host to sort of take off. Um, Maybe Pong Pong or Watson, if it's given if those guys start gelling at round five, um, get, get those guys in for a quick cash injection or some good points. This this one's the kicker. Um, I know Tormololo is um, backwards and forwards between second row, but the the cow's draw from round six is absolutely insane. So if you're going to pick any one of them up, this is the prime time to get Tormololo. If you don't own him, or depending on how Morgan is, Morgan, uh, Morgan is going, he might be he might be a great option around then. Depending on what his negative break even is, he might be a pick-up round three. You've got a couple of weeks then. Um, round eight is when you want to grab the dogs. So... Um, depending on how um, Holland and Tolman, those t- those type of guys, uh, are going. Um, you're probably only looking for volatile outside backs here. Probably only um, only Holland, maybe Hopalato, those sorts of blokes. So pick up the dogs, guys, around eight. And then round 10 um, is Titans and Panthers. Um, this is, round 10 is probably the best time to pick up um, Brian James. Um, so forget about him before then, but he's, he's got a great draw for three or four games from then. He'll get you through the bye. Probably the bit. Be- Panthers have a really hot and cold draw between now and then, especially with the dynamic of the team. So round ten is probably the best time to pick up a uh, kick out uh, Cleary, and maybe maybe a pole or two like Edwards or something or other. Round eleven, Eels start to have a soft draw again, so that's the best time to get their outside backs um, and Manly as well. Manly have a soft draw then, so look for you to power then. Raiders are pretty much uh, hot and cold all the way to round twelve, then they've got it easy, easy to go there. So just pick them right on the money round, and then the remainder of the teams. Sharks, Broncos, Storm. Just grab any of those guys around thirteen. So that's, so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the what, what you want to do, hot and cold wise. But just depends on who you actually want from those teams and what cash you got on hand. So yeah, have a look at that, plot it out, and and every everyone, come up with your own personal plan based on who you want.
1: Good stuff, Billy. Adding value as always. Um, sounds good. Uh, I'm a big one for the planning myself, so I reckon that's fantastic. Uh, I said on last week's pod that I've already planned out the sort of. The guys that I want for round 12, and then sort of ticking off the guys that are going to be in my round one team and then plugging in when I'm going to trade in the other guys. so that info is really useful as far as when probably the best time to, to focus on them is along with their um, break evens, which we're going to see coming in the next few weeks. So in saying that let's let's go around the grounds and start to have a look at the games that we saw across round one. The first one is the storm versus Broncos, where the storm prevailed 22 to 12. Uh, This one didn't go the way I expected. I actually thought the Broncos were going to win, um, and they looked really clunky and and didn't really do well at all. Um, But as far as top point scorers go, Corey Oates, 108 points. Um, That was definitely the biggest one of the game, Um, although Cameron Munster was close behind on 105. I I did look at Oates, Billy, but I thought for 500k for a winger, he was too much for me to throw in my cheap centre wing, but geez, Oates looked really, really strong. He was running the ball back really well, scored a double. Um, and considering how bad the Broncos' attack looked, it, it's pretty phenomenal that he finished on 108 points.
0: Yeah, especially versus the Storm, mate. He did a reverse repartner and just absolutely attacked the best defensive team in the comp. Look, hats off to anyone that, that's uh, got him. I um, hope he continues it for you. Big hats off to the bloke who actually captained him in, in Attucks. Couldn't believe that. That's... Um, <laughs> that's uh, Big balls pod right there. <laughs> yeah, like he, he looked really good, mate. I wouldn't buy him, but I'll tell you what, if you got him, man, good pick.
1: Yeah, and um, conversely well, Kevin Munster isn't someone that I was going to go anywhere near with the um, plethora of fullbacks and halves on offer. But he scored 105 points, and I I thought he looked pretty good in real life, but I didn't really think that he was 105 <laughs> points in watching the game. But um, he got updated really up nicely.
0: Yeah, so he he had a massive one at 105. I'm not going near him anyway. No way. Um, he, I, I was starting to get a little bit concerned throughout the game because he started to get a lot more ball this year than he than he did last year. They see, um, just seemed like they just went left like every single play to him. Yep. Um, but, he, but he's at half. He, he doesn't he doesn't get tackle bust like he does at fullback. So he doesn't doesn't get the hit up. So that base rate is gone. So pretty sure if you go and have a look at that 110, he must have had what three, four try try assists. If you think he's going to get three try assists every week, then great. But I'm not. I'm not backing a bloke like that to get three try assists per week. And a lot of his are off kicks too, so you're not going to get a lot of uh, line break and uh, line break assist and and try assists in the one. That might get an odd try in there and a couple sort of tall pointers. I hope he has a good year for the Storm, and I love the bloke. I would only ever buy him at fullback, and unless he starts pumping to sort of the seventy-five every week, I, I couldn't go near him, mate.
1: Yeah, I'm not interested either. And he's probably a prime example for me of if you chased like last week's points and you went, uh, you know, a, a fullback like Teddy to Munster, you're just as likely to have the reverse this week, and for Teddy to score 105 and Munster to score 20, um, and that's that's potential to happen. So I, I'm not a big fan of running for him. But if you started with him, you'd be very pleased. Uh, a guy that we didn't even hardly talk about in the pre-season, is Jesse Bromwich, because he's been pretty irrelevant for a couple of years now. Um, and he managed to pump out an 89. And I've seen a lot of people um, have a look at him. He He's pretty well priced at 423000 What I'd probably say is I, I'm a little bit more interested to see what he does. However, I'd want to see it this week again to see what he does before I actually thought about buying him, because uh, he did have a line break and a try there. Um, and that one run was probably around 30 points by itself. Um, so he was probably still looking at 50s um, if he didn't have that. And that's probably where he's going to be going forward when he doesn't score a try and have a line break with a couple of tackle busts.
0: Yeah, there was no tackle bust in that uh, line break either because Boyd just looked the other way. Um, I, I just don't trust uh, Bellamy and and his minutes. And like you said, line break and try in there, take take those away. He still scored pretty well. Um, what were his minutes like? Were they inflated um, much higher than usual? Well, that's the big thing. His minutes
1: were only at 50, um, which, you know, 50 for him is actually not too bad. Um, there were times when he was only playing 40s in the past, so 50 minutes on the dot isn't too bad, but they did have some injuries where um, uh, Eisenhuth, um only played five minutes because he ended up with a broken larynx, um, and I'm pretty sure that Eisenhuth was going in at lock, so
0: he might have been inflated because of that. Yeah, um, I'm not really interested, mate. I'm going to pass. If you got him, great. But 50 minutes is good, but I just kind of prefer 55 for a goal like that, and I want to see him do it again, mate.
1: Yeah, now, Jerome Hughes was massive. He had 74 points, and to be perfectly honest, I thought he looked better than his 74 points. He's an interesting one. I'm actually quite interested in him because he was really involved. He had a huge amount of hit-ups. Um, I think he had something like 26 runs, um, which was massive, as well as a line break. He's a guy who's 479,000, halfback, fullback dual. I'm pretty interested in Jerome Hughes, to be honest. I just don't know how I'm going to get him in my team.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see another game. He looked really good in sort the of uh, first half. I didn't really see much of him in um, second half. Um, I went, when I was doing the um, draw analysis before, I was doing every other team's heat map, and I got to the storm. I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> it doesn't matter who the storm is, <laughs> they're going to be good every week. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried, worried about his draw if, if he's just getting sort of um, 20, say 25, 26 points and hit-ups and a and, and few tackle busts and he's going to punch us sort of 40, 45, sort of minimum just being on the puck. He's in the best attacking team in the, in the league. So, yeah, he's he's a watch for me, but um, be a close watch.
1: Yeah, a few forwards for the Broncos that actually looked quite good. let scored 62, um, and he did that with a massive work rate. Um, he made a huge amount of tackles, topped the tackle count, uh, I think it was around 57 tackles that he made. So uh, he scored great. Um, having said that, he, he barely ran the ball um, too much. He's, he's only at around 420k, though. So to be honest, Matt Gillette is one of the guys on my shortlist after that performance. He's pretty much overcome the the early-round jitters from his neck. He played 69 minutes um, and 62 points at 420-odd k. Uh, he looks like a perfect downgrade option for someone who maybe owns Nathan Brown and wants to, to upgrade somewhere else as well.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'd rather wait a week on him though. Because remember, Storm had seventy-five percent of the ball, and it, they were just going up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. So he was probably making thirty tackles in that first sort of twenty, twenty-five minutes. I'd also uh, flay, uh flay, is it fleet? Yeah, Flegar. He was adding on for ten ten minutes as well. I'd kind of like to see a little bit more of a rotation with all that, all those forwards, and, and see how many actual minutes he gets this week, and see how many points he actually gets with. Um, a more, a more expansive game like he's back home in the drive versus the cows this week who are also a big pack so go Hammer and Tom back backwards and forwards he's, and he scores like 55 uh, 50-55 and base and gets 65 minutes it'd be a great sort of downgrade option but I'd probably prefer Bateman this week and because uh, he's available at that centre-three quarter and you can switch him next week uh, I'd rather take Bateman over sort of um, Gillette this week but Gillette's a definite watch if, if he needs it out next week and he's punching 65 points again
1: yep Definitely. Um, Joe Offengawi was another guy who um, was popular real late before lockout. I actually tried to fit him in my team um, and ended up giving up on it. He um, scored a really quite a good 61 points, but having said that, I'm I'm not that interested. Before the game, I actually did a a bit of a minutes review of the Broncos pack because I was scrambling to try and get him in. And I actually noticed that um, I I just couldn't see where he was going to get enough minutes from for him to be really relevant. Um, That was my biggest worry. And he ended up only playing 48 um, minutes on the weekend, which 48 minutes is is just too low. I I needed him to be around 55 minutes for him him to be an option for me. So I'm not too unhappy that he scored a solid 61. Out of that 61 points as well, he ended up having some attacking stats. Uh, I think that he offloaded for a uh, line break assist. He ended up getting that right near the end as well. So... He would have actually been, you know, probably 50-odd points had he not gotten that late-minute attack. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable just to
0: leave him out at the moment, even though he's been a bit popular and he did all right. Yeah, same. Like I said, previous cast, mate, unless he's playing lock, I'm not interested. I reckon he sort of caps around that sort of 60 mark unless he becomes you know, a dominant forward, getting Lodge's minutes and chucks a couple of those offload, offloads away. I'm only getting him if he's playing lock, mate.
1: Yeah, so let's look at some losers and some injuries. Um, Eisenhuth caught a broken larynx, and he's out for at least sort of four to six weeks. Uh, another one was James Roberts, who was thought that he was going to be out long-term. James Roberts scored a big zero, so not a great start for James Roberts owners, but he's uh, meant to be in light training and potentially playing this weekend. But as far as performances go, guys, that didn't get hurt. Uh, James Ed O'Carr, 31 points. Disappointing. Will Chambers, 29 points, which is pretty much what Will Chambers does these days. Um, and Asako was a fairly disappointing 37 points, considering uh, he kicked two goals and he cost you over 500000 to to start for round one. We've said before on this podcast that um, we weren't big Asako fans, and uh, I think that we were pretty warranted in saying that, looking at these 37 points to start with, considering he had two goals in that and ended up scoring 29 without him.
0: Yeah, I think he'll go well this year. Um, most people that end up... Repeating to sort of the top ten in the centre three quarter space, are you goal kicking in centre three quarters, um, especially one with his pace and hit up ability in, in a team like Broncos? But yeah, look, you have to have um, some, nuts, some nuts on you to buy a five hundred thousand dollar winger starting with a storm in Melbourne. Um, surely he scores more than that this week. I wouldn't cull him just. I wouldn't call him just yet. And even if he only scores sort of forty five this week. If you bought him, I'd probably still keep him unless you can find, find something really, really um, nice that you want. But, yeah, it's a lot of money to sit there. Give him a week and see how he goes at least. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so let's move on to the next game. The Knights defeated the Sharks 14-8 in what was a pretty tight battle. This this first uh, game of the round of Melbourne and Brisbane had almost 30% more super coach points in it than this Knights versus Sharks game. So that gives you a bit of a tale about um, how successful you were if you had a heap of Sharks and Knights in your team. Didn't go too great. Um, top scorer for the Sharks, though, uh, was Britton Okora, who we said was uh, pretty much a must-have going into round one. Couldn't believe that he wasn't higher-run, to be honest. Jules centre secondary forward, and he came in at um, just a bit before lockout. He was around 42%, I think it was. Uh, which I actually thought was really low, Billy, 65 points. If you don't have Brendan Nakora after watching that performance and seeing him get 80 minutes um, and looking like he's going to lock up that role for 80 minutes going forward until, you know, Wade Graham sort of comes back, I I think he's one that you definitely have to be getting in
0: your team. Yeah, that one's a no-brainer, mate. I think everyone knows that. It was just really good to see how many points he's actually punching up. Um, You were telling us before pre-season that um, the word was. He was um, looking pretty good off SJ, but it sounds like he doesn't even need me to wreck up those base points. So, really good to see you, mate.
1: Yeah, and the, the good thing as well is that, aside from his, his good work rate, which he had, um, he actually had some offloads there as well. So, despite not making any um, any line breaks or anything, he had three offloads that he made in that 80 minutes too, So uh, and around 40 tackles. So, his base was good and he also had some decent base attack as well. So, if you don't have him He's one that you've got to get in this week or next. Um, Tim Glasby top scored for the Newcastle Knights with 69 points. Kind of satisfying, even though I didn't own him, because I did talk him up a little bit as someone who um, who had a new opportunity and maybe a new lease on life with the um, the contract of minutes that the Knights might give him. But a bit of a mixed bag, mate. He played only 43 minutes, um, which was you know a few minutes above where he was doing last year, but probably... You know, a good five or six minutes below where we thought he would be, but he ended up scoring 69 points, thanks to a line break and a try. Probably wouldn't have been that fantastic if you take those out, but still a solid outing.
0: No, that was garbage. I couldn't believe he went over the line. <laughs> I was thinking about it. <laughs> I was thinking about the couple of people I know that bored him, thinking, you asked you, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, mate, that's just, Coach, if you're clever enough to buy someone at a price that does a job for you this early and they go over the line, great. I mean, everyone's going to go over the line sooner or later. So, yeah, good pick if you got him. Um, I wouldn't be buying him, but, but, um, yeah, good pick. Ride him him while you can and then sort of um, make the upgrade
1: that you need. Yeah, one of the things watching the game that I was quite impressed with is I felt like that, that, particularly in his first stint, he was running the ball a lot. And he was running it off um, the halves, so they were putting him in spots a little bit wider, which I don't think that Glasby's, you know, it, it's happened too much before where he's been put in spots. I think with Melbourne, he was much more of a meat potatoes, bust up the middle type of middle forward, whereas I actually I actually confused him a couple of times um, watching the TV from afar with um, Fitzgibbon. And when he actually scored the try, I thought it was Fitzgibbon because it was the type of line run that um, Fitzgibbon will get a ball off and get put into space with. So if he continues that, um, he could end up with a lot more attack than what he's had in the past. The two guys I was most interested in, though, who I think were the top performers for Supercoach for this game, were Andrew Fafita and David Klemmer. Now, Andrew Fafita ended up with 63. Um, he was in the 70s live. I kind of think that he got rewarded. Um, I think that he he performed better than 63 for sure but probably the best part of that performance for Andrew Fafita is he played 72 minutes. Now, I'm, I'm loath to say that um, Fafida is a must-have at his price or anything, but if he plays, you know, 70-odd minutes this weekend, or even if he plays 65, I would be, if I didn't own him, really looking at my team and seeing who I could trade out to get Fafita in because that performance on the weekend was very encouraging.
0: Yeah, I didn't have him in any of my drafts until that discussion we had last week about his five-round average never being lower than sort of 67 and playing that first 40 minutes in the trial. So, yeah, I got a bit lucky. He was one of the luck stories for me. But, there, yeah, like you said, mate, um, any forward that plays full 40 minutes, comes off, goes and has a happy meal and comes straight back on for the remainder of the second half, mate, you've got to get him in.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd be planning to get for Fader in the next two weeks if I didn't have him. Um, another guy that I haven't really looked at as an option is David Clemmer. So he was 69 points for the Newcastle Knights. He was surprisingly in 14% of teams at the moment, so either a few people are trading him in or um, or he got really ramped up in ownership right before kickoff. But he is only 538k in his dual front row forward, second row forward. Watching the game, um, his impact was immense to me. He was clearly the best player on the field. And his work rate was great, but not only that, he was probably not looking as meat and potato as we've seen him in the past. Maybe it's because he's got a new club and he's a little bit reinvigorated, but he was not just getting through the work, but he had three offloads as well, which we don't normally see too much from him. Um, And he was also, you know, really hitting the line quite well. And again, Newcastle just looks like a side that really put their forwards in good spots between Pierce and Ponga, so... I'm pretty excited for him, you know, based on that variance in his running game where he's got a few offloads in there. But he also played 65 minutes, which has always been the problem with uh, with David Clemmer in the past where, you know, if he was getting 50 or 55 minutes, he was a little bit too meat and potatoes and he needed sort of that 60-minute mark. But 65 minutes in round one, if he plays 65 again in round two and looks like he did this round, he's a serious option to have a look at.
0: Oh, yeah, especially if he throws a uh, one or two offloads in there again this week. Definite option. Um, I've never been interested in him in the past before. Like you said, just meat and potatoes for the 55, 60 minutes. But, um, yeah, it's going to be – I wouldn't get him in this week. Um, I would just watch and see how he goes. Might be, you know, $800,000 a year, four years, new new club. Um, got a ponga and a couple, a couple of good um, young purchases. Um I mean, if I'm getting that sort of coin in a new town, my first game I'm gonna come out and tear it up and try and you know uh, get the town to love me too. But um yeah, I would like to see can, uh A the same level of aggression in the second round and B the same uh, same number of minutes plus a couple of offloads. If and if all three all three of those things are um there, then yeah, I'd take uh, I'd much prefer a bloke like him over off on, yeah, uh, Joe off a of Hengawi Thank, off of so thank there we you,
1: go. my man. <laughs> Always here to help on the pronunciations for you Billy So th- there's a couple other guys I'll just quickly breeze over um, Lachlan Fitzgibbon I thought looked solid But he only scored a 42 Anyone who owns him should basically expect you know those 40 scores in there So I wouldn't be panicking um, Matt Moylan scored a solid 52 I thought he looked a lot better than his 52 points And uh, Kurt Capewell also played 80 minutes for 48 points And that's the key with Capewell if he's getting 80 minutes, he's a really good option. We predicted that he was going to get 80 minutes, and that's why he'd be a great centre wing option. Proved us right, and he was really solid watching the game. Um, but a couple of the guys that were not solid and quite disappointing, the first one is Sean Johnson. So he ended up with 26 points, uh, and for that type of investment, he, um, he really didn't perform in that game. The Shaft attack wasn't great, um, and... It really seemed like he was in a new team and he was just sort of finding his way. And watching the game, I actually thought Matt Moylan controlled the attack a lot more and most of the opportunities lied with him. So, um, SJ might be a bit of a concern for the first few weeks, which is one of the reasons why I didn't consider him.
0: Yeah, I just love his draw. That's why I got him in. Um, he's on notice for me. I'm not, I'm not getting rid of him this week. I'll uh, see how he goes versus the Titans, but if he doesn't perform this week... Um, he's gone I know he'll bounce back and he'll average you know 70 or something for the year but I'm not going to sit around and wait for it I'll be going him straight to Tom Lolo or something like that get the guaranteed base points and then get him back when he starts to show with the rest of the team rather than lose out early
1: yeah so he's an interesting one for us to look at like looking at his round one performance um I mean I said prior to looking at the performances over the weekend that I wouldn't trade out any out and out guns after this one round but um I guess there's some definite caveats and things to consider when you're doing that. I mean, we chatted about SJ, and I think the general consensus is, you know, he's not like a a normal gun from round one, because he was already someone who was, you know, moving to a different country, moving to a different team, and starting in a different structure. Um, So his role was somewhat unknown, even though he's been a gun in the past, so... Um it might, it might look like it, it'll take him a bit of time to actually get back to the gun that he was um, because of that. And we saw that with Teddy for the first half of last year. So yeah, I would think that your strategy, Billy, owning him is probably, if you think that he's not going to go well for a couple of months, to cut your losses now so you can make some better points for the first half of the season and maybe getting post round 12.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I was having a chat with someone, addicts the other day, and I don't know how that went, but it was something along the lines of, well, uh, based on that logic, you'd cut Teddy too. And the response was, um, no, Teddy's a proven guy in a proven position in a proven team. He'll, I know he'll bounce back. Someone like SJ has got no guarantee how long it'll take for him to jolt. So, um, yeah, no, just cut the losses early before it's too late and invest, invest in someone you know is going to perform well and just... Be, be happy that you're only sort of you know, 80 to 100 points behind because you can, you, can, you, can, you can call that back with one, you know, one good captain and one good pod, but if you're holding for sort the of six or seven rounds, you can't call back 300 points.
1: Yep. Um, Jesse Ramian was another guy that was reasonably popular heading into round one, um, and I thought that he did look good with the ball in hand a few times, but probably just didn't get the opportunity watching the game. Uh, Newcastle did only score 14 points, but he only threw out 26 points. Um, and this is where, I guess, the issue lies in paying large amounts for center wings. So, you know, he's what uh, a pretty expensive guy at just under 500k. Uh, I was never a fan of Ramian, and I, I think that we saw why. Um, if I spend 500k on, you know, Jared Croker, at least I know he's going to have goal kicking. Um, someone like Ramian, he's a good player, but um, as we saw, 26 points. Maybe he's not going to cut it. Um, I would be looking at moving him um, after this week if he doesn't look great. And to be honest, I I wouldn't have started with him myself anyway. Um, But another bigger name player, Billy, is uh, Kalen Ponga. So I started with Ponga, and I actually wasn't unhappy with his 38 points. I thought he looked solid. And it was a game where it it wasn't a great scoring game. Like I said, it was 25 to 30% below the Supercoach scoring of the the first game of the round. Um, So in those circumstances, in a 14-8 tight match, Um, for Ponga to get sort of a 38, that kind of looks like his floor, so even though it wasn't a great score, I I wasn't too unhappy watching the game and and seeing
0: that as his first round hit out. Yeah, I was really happy with that. Every time he touched the ball, I kept saying, give it to Pearson can give it to Watson. (laughs) 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 I don't want Ponga to get the assist. Yeah, like you said, mate, um, I think that's the reason why a lot of people bought him, because worst case scenario... Um, if he didn't perform, he wasn't going to be far off He's 61 average of what it was. So you got a guy who you know, the sky's the limit, is kicking goals, and worst case scenario is going to get a few points anyway. So there's really no uh, risk with him, and I think that's the reason why a lot, a lot of people jumped on. So I don't think it'll take him long before he starts sort of um, gelling with the rest of the guys and starts pumping out a few, a few bigger scores. Yeah, if you if you started with
1: Palmer for round one, I, I would not be disappointed. I'd be happy because that's one of his lowest scores he's going to have, so definitely hold him. Um, Another guy, though, that I would be selling is Paul Gallen. Paul Gallen was never a great option. Only scored 33 points, uh, which was even lower than what I expected him to, and he really didn't... He was really starting to look his age, to be honest, Um, and he scored those points playing only 42 minutes, uh, and that's an absolute killer. You know, 42 minutes and spending 540k... Um, That's a recipe for disaster. Gal looked his age. Looked like he was going to be a solid forward for the Sharks, but for Super Coach purposes, he looks like an absolute dud. Um, And some people will say, you know, he said don't give up on on guns and stuff and, you know, see how they look. When someone's getting that lower minutes that you need to get, you know, (laughs) like 50% more minutes and they're at the end of their career and they fell off gun status last year, uh, now's the time to jump off and realise that they're no longer a gun, and that that means that you can like, use them as a stepping stone to get someone else before the risers actually you know, deflate their value too much.
0: It might be a gun, mate, but he's a musket, and it takes four hours for him to load up. You've got to, uh, <laughs> go, got to go for the new guns, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he lost being a gun last year, so um, anyone starting him thinking that he was going to have a career reversal at his age, it's not going to happen. 38 years old, played 42 minutes, it's just not going to happen for him this year. Um, but someone else who we thought would happen for them as far as a breakout season was Connor Watson, one of your faves, Billy. I know that you were hoping for a 70-odd-point 70, 70 score for this year. He um, busted out 26 points, and watching the game, you know, he was supporting okay, um, but he wasn't taking a huge amount of hit-ups, and more importantly, he wasn't getting many, if any, tackle breaks or offloads happening. So realistically, um, you know, I, I sort of was worried that he would take the back seat, to Pierce and Ponga running the show and directing traffic and doing what they wanted, and that pretty much played out as I expected, and he only ended up giving us 26 points for round one.
0: Yeah, I was really disappointed about that. I kind of... um, I was happy that he was only sort of 10 points uh, away from Ponga, so it's not too bad at the moment, but um, even if he didn't get any sort of uh, um, line breaks, lineback assists or tries, I kind of thought he would have been at least around 40, 45 in base, but, yeah, he just didn't get the runs I thought he would... Um, what I'm taking away from that is, A, it's round one. TD scored 20 points um, this this year. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, this year. Scored 35 last year. First round, they kicked to the corners a bit, so less opportunities for sort of, sort of um, um, hit-ups when, when they're kicking back there. Um, and like you said, every single time there there was a forward taking a hit-up, mate, he was right behind and waiting for the offload the whole game. He must have been there about 40, 45 times, but I never got one away, so... If they can get one or two away this week and he gets a couple of line breaks then uh, and starts pushing up towards a, uh, a more a more reasonable score, then I'll have, I'll have more confidence. But, yeah, you're right. I do want to see some more hit-ups. But, um, yeah, was, I'll sit tight on that one. But uh, I'm more concerned about SJ, mate. So let's have a look at the next game, which had a few more points in
1: it than what that Sharks one did. And that is the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the Sydney Roosters. Um, disappointing one for me with the Rabbitohs prevailing 26-16. But... Um, it had decent Supercoach scores in it, so the top super coach score for the game was actually Jake Friend with a 95. He he looked fantastic right from the kickoff. Um, he had a really early line break right at the start of the game, and he just looked really, really busy. He had you know, close to 60 tackles odd, um, was really involved. Um, his running was actually uh, really good. He had two line breaks in total, and... He did that across 80 minutes, which was a big deal for us. We were hoping he was going to get 80, and at 480k, so that's immense value for a position in need. So based on that um, clash on the weekend and how good Jake Friend looked, he, he's someone on my short list, and I'm really interested in looking at, at bringing him in as potentially my second hooker.
0: Yeah, mate, really good strategy there. Um, Really impressed with uh, his work rate. 50-odd tackles, controlled the game. Um, Line break, uh, try. The guy guy looked the goods. If you started with him, absolutely solid buy. I um, chose Holland over him purely because of the uh, price difference in the buy cover and the fact that um, I could uh, switch him down to centre-three-quarter and bring anyone in that was performing. But yeah, uh, he's looking the goods, mate yeah he looked really good on the weekend um probably
1: the only caveat I'll throw in there is you know he's his two line breaks plus his try um that brings him down to sort of uh fifty eight points um which is solid, but nowhere near as good, and he's obviously not going to get attack every week. but I think the comforting thing with jake friend is um you know making sort of sixty something tackles um if he keeps doing that he's going to have fifty points anyway um just just being on the field so um, pretty good four for him. For the Rabideaus, um Keir Murray was equal top scorer at 70 points along with Braden Burns. So Keir Murray, we said, was um, out of the mid-range forwards, the best option. Um, and I think that we saw all that on display in this round one clash. He was very, very busy. Probably the key thing um, for him was the amount of minutes that he got. So he ended up with 63 minutes, which was even above my expectations. I was hoping for 60 minutes, and 60 minutes was sort of the sweet spot. So to see him get 63 minutes, um, if he kept getting that growth going forward, Billy, he's one that I'd definitely be getting before round three price rises.
0: Yeah, 100%, mate. Really happy with that score. Yeah, he looked very
1: busy. Um, another guy that looked very busy was Braden Burns, and
0: he's one of your boys who
1: you, um, who you talked up as being a really good option and a pod option. He ended up scoring 70 points, and he didn't even have a try or line break in that. So that's, that's really, really impressive um, for a center wing, and he looked really good. He had a heap of tackle breaks where he was just really evasive watching the game. Um, he was quite hard to tackle. 286,000, he's another guy on my list that I'm going to watch for this round two clash, and if he looks good again, um, I'm probably going to have to get him in.
0: Yeah, he did the same thing last year, mate. Um, two game, he scored a 72 last year in one 80-minute game with a try, a try assist, but no line breaks and no tries either. And the game, the, the other 80-minute game, I think it was around sort of 47 odd score, I think, but yeah. that was all. All base and base attack, no line breaks, no it's just no nothing. That was just him being on the park. And I believe that was all on the wing too. Um, but, um, he's moved into centre. Um, so uh, Jamie Poirier reckons he's a lot more busier at centre as well. And the the hit-up rates show. He, the hit-ups are around so sort of 26, 28 points at, at, uh, at centre. So um, I don't think it's an anomaly, mate. I think it's the real deal. Just get him in. Yeah, a really
1: good option. Um, Sam Burgess scored 68 points and he was busy scoring a try with that. That was pretty much the Sam Burgess that we wanted to see. I started him, and I was really impressed with how he looked. Uh, I thought he looked great, um, and I'm pretty happy with him going forward. Um, as far as mid-range scoring, Damien Cook got a 55, which wasn't fantastic. I thought he looked pretty solid, Billy. Um, had a try assist in there that was pretty handy, but overall, I'm, um, you know, it, it looked like a game where I sort of thought to myself, um, this is why I didn't start with Damien Cook. He looks like a good player, but not the... You know beyond any realm of being close to the second best player in the comp and just so far and away the best super coach player there is um, he he wasn't quite there at all um, and he just looked like a good player rather than an all time
0: great Supercoach. yeah, no disrespect to anyone that bought um friends, but you obviously you take that try away and he scores pretty much exactly the same as cook and i know he's a, i know he's a lot i know he's a lot cheaper than cook, and that's um the reason why a lot of people bought him
1: hundred fifty
0: k difference, mate. A lot, a lot I cheaper. I know, but a it depends what you do with your money, and b he looks so dangerous every time he was near the line. He's he was also playing the Chooks as well, one of, one of the hardest teams in the comp. So you go back to you know the, um, his draw from his draw from round round three. Um, I don't think he's going to be losing much coin at all, mate. I reckon he's going to bounce back. Yeah, I look, I.
1: I'm going to disagree on this one. I, I reckon that he, he looked good, but he, he didn't look good enough to be able to sustain his um his price at the moment, and I'm pretty comfortable that I didn't start with him, and I reckon he's going to be dropping quite a bit of coin going forward. But that's a good one for us to discuss in the future of Pods Billy to see where he's at in round two and round three. Um, Latrell Mitchell was another expensive guy that didn't actually produce near his value. He was 44 points, but... I actually saw Latrell's 44 points as a positive. I saw a lot of people whinging about it um, online and stuff and being a bit unhappy. Um, but for me, you know, Latrell Mitchell, with that sort of game two years ago, would have scored 20 points. So the fact that he scored 44 points without a try or line break um, and a lack of attack in that game overall, I thought that was pretty encouraging. If he can um, have his sort of lower scores around that 40 mark, that's that's pretty good for him.
0: Didn't he have a line break assist and a try assist, or did they give him a uh, an, an involved instead? Because I'm pretty sure he had a um, he chucked over someone in the corner towards the end of the game. That was I'm, filthy. I'm pretty sure that he got a try contribution for that one, not a yeah. um,
1: LBA and, and TS for it. So unless that updated, it may have updated. Maybe that changed, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a try contribution. So not a huge amount. He, he had two offloads, which was um, which was helpful. Eight runs, um, you know, about fourteen tackles. Um, so he wasn't too bad, and he's got that goal kicking, obviously, as
0: well. Mate, he's just the type of bloke who just carries on too much. Like, like you said, last year he'll be, he'll score twenty or one hundred and twenty um, more, more twenties than sort of one hundred and twenties. Towards the end of the year, he really picked his act up and became a consistent bloke. But look, even, even at his price and and, and kicking goals, like uh, like you said, like he's. This time last year, he would have scored twenty. Um, looks looks a bit better, but mate, with, with with his attitude and the fact that he can still punch punch forties at his price, I just want to steer clear from now.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be buying him, but if I started with him, I wouldn't be disappointed with that score considering the game and, and how it sort of went. Uh, likewise, oh Brett, yeah, hundred
0: percent. Yeah, and, sorry, hundred percent, mate. I agree.
1: And likewise, Brett Morris as well. Um, he scored thirty nine points. He's another guy that can score, sort of, you know eight points a game uh, for a couple of games in a row. So I actually thought the first half watching that game, Brett Morris was taking quite a few hit-ups, and he did quite well. He ended up getting, um, you know, one line break in there, but even still, you know, to be around that 30, just pure base um, with a couple of errors thrown in there, it wasn't the worst in the world. But a couple of guys that were pretty close to the worst in the world, uh, Angus Crichton, we knew that he was on the bench before Round one started. Um, I, I was a big fan, like you, of just getting him out of your team and, and not worrying about him. Um, a lot of people didn't know and wanted to ride him. He ended up um, playing very, very few minutes and only scoring 12 points. He's an interesting example, Billy. He, we didn't even see enough of him um, minutes wise for round one to even see whether he's in form or shape. How would you treat Angus? Would you be waiting another week or would he just be a casualty straight away?
0: I would wait another week only. Only if he's a late inclusion and he's starting. But the way Orbo played last week, they might just keep it rolling as is. Protect that shoulder and then uh, easy men. I, I fear is what the what the uh, what the verdict would be, mate. Um, when do they actually play? Is it early in the round or late in the round?
1: Uh, the Roosters are actually playing um, on Saturday, so it's sort of mid-round. Well, actually, it's late in the round, to be honest, so it's going to be the sixth game of the round, so you've only got two games after. It's not really a great time to be waiting for the trades.
0: I would make sure you got it out at that last possible minute and to someone good, because uh, if you don't, you're going to be stuck with another guy coming off the bench for maybe... He might come off the bench and play 60 minutes. Who knows, but um, are you willing to take that risk? Um, I wouldn't.
1: Um, the only other guy that was like really, really disappointing um was Victor Radley uh, with thirty two points and like I've been I I'm one of the biggest Roosters fans that you'll get and I love Victor Radley, but for Supercoach, anyone who asked me I said don't go near him and you know that, those points tell you exactly why. He's a great player in real life, but even watching the game, you know, he, you know, he does some really good things, but just for Supercoach, it's just not there. And probably the most worrying thing, Billy is one of the reasons why I said stay off him is because his minutes were going to be too low. I sort of thought he'd be 50 to 55, and probably closer to 50 minutes, which wasn't going to be enough for him to score. He got 61 minutes on the weekend, so that was a lot more than what we expected, and probably um, because of Angus Crichton hardly getting any, he got to stay on the field a bit longer, and uh, Cordner came off for a 14-minute rest. But you know the fact that he got 61 minutes, which is much higher than what we thought he was going to get, and still only averaged 32 points, should probably tell you something about his super coach potential.
0: Yeah, it's probably good that we didn't know that before the season started, because if we knew he was going to get 60 minutes, everyone would have been on him. Uh, <laughs>
1: the,
0: uh, yeah, it's probably a yeah, yeah, lifesaver there, mate. I'm, I'll, if you own him, we wouldn't hold him at all. I'd just punch him.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be holding either, because that 61 minutes is, is probably as high as he's going to get, and I dare say it was that high because of Crichton um, getting very few minutes, and once Crichton's minutes pump up, uh, Radley's minutes are going to go closer to 50. So um, let's move on to the, the next one, the the Bulldogs uh, versus the Warriors. It wasn't much of a game with the Warriors uh, beating the Bulldogs 40-6. to six. Jeez, uh, there wasn't wasn't much to write home about on the Bulldogs' side. But um, on the Warriors' side, Carter killed it with 96 points, uh, but he's not particularly super coach relevant. One guy that is very super coach relevant, though, is a guy that I really wanted to start with, and that was Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. He punched out 95 points. Uh, for the second best score um, of the match and he was really really good Um, and for the you know 10% odd teams that had him for round one it ended up being a great pod score that was a difference maker
0: yeah I wasn't expecting that Um, I just think with, with his knees he's just not the same sort of player but Complete reversal there. Um, be interesting to see what happens over the, over the next few rounds when he's got a, a bit of a tougher run, but they do have a decent draw. So, um, yeah, mate, if you got um, RTS, I'd, I'd be riding him all, all the way. Um, how long are you holding him for? Or who knows? But if he's pumping those sorts of scores, you ain't dropping him, are you?
1: No, I'd be holding on to him. If you started with him, he's, he's repaid you already with that round one performance. Uh, Adam Kieran, as a rookie, went fantastic. 87 points for his debut. Um, couldn't ask for more. Just uh, don't even need to talk about... It. it was a stellar performance. Just get him in. If you don't own him, you have to get him in. Either this week or next week, you've got to get Adam Kieran in your side.
0: Sorry, just before we go, just uh, you, you touched on Carter only briefly and skipped over because he's irrelevant pretty much, but I think the only thing to mention there is I think he actually switched sides this year, so maybe that might make a slight difference. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be buying him, but... Um, at, at his price, and with, and with that draw, if he punches, another, another, another couple of tries. Had a base of, what, uh, 18, 18 hit-ups, line break, line break, assist, 20-odd tackles. It's not, it's not actually that bad. Had a, had a base of 36 points. So if he's looking dangerous and getting some service, mate, um, it might be a pod to watch at the price. A risky one, but a big balls pod if you're a Kiwi fan out there.
1: Yeah, definitely a big balls one for sure. Um, another big balls pod that we identified in the preseason was Will Hopalati. He scored 69 points for the Dogs as their top scorer, um, and he was really good. He's only in a couple of percent of teams, and he was um, someone who was sort of a popular pod to talk about, but not many people had the balls to sort of run with him, and he did repay them with a 69-point score. Um, I thought he looked really good. He is a guy that's a little bit hard to have, but he was um, at fullback. He had 26 runs, two offloads, a try assist as well, so... He ended up, you know, really being the one shining light, super coach wise, for the dogs. You know, pretty in performance by them.
0: Yeah, but you got to remember, mate. Um, that's what fullbacks are. Get, that's what fullbacks are going to do. You you've got to expect, you know, sort of tackle busts and, and assists and, and tries from them. That's how they get their points. So. Um, and you're the one that said um, last week before the round even started that he actually averaged a 67 at fullback, so the bloke's come out and average 69, so yep. he's doing exactly what, so the, for the people that bought him, he's doing exactly what they expected um, in a team that was absolutely smashed, so I, I'd be pretty uh, tickled pink with that if I um, owned the bloke, mate. Oh, you'd be real happy. He actually didn't
1: have any tackle breaks as well, by the way. He ended up doing a lot of that in his base running and also some offloads, so was really good. There was a workman like 58 from Tolman, but, you know, I think that's pretty stock standard for him. Um, Minutes-wise for Tolman, though, he got 52. Um, So, you know, 52 minutes still wasn't a huge amount for him. Um, Other than that, though, uh, Peter Hiku got 86, but we're going to skip past him because I don't think we're going to be buying Peter Hiku. Let's have a talk about some of the guys that were a little bit less impressive in the game. Um, And probably one of the first ones that I look at Kerry Holland, because Holland was a guy who we were both talking up um, in the preseason, and I actually started with. He scored 36 points. A lot of people were disappointed with that, and I understand why, but um, like we touched on at the start, it's it's not all lost, and I'm going to wait a week or two before I actually pull the trigger on getting rid of him and having a bit of a look to see how he keeps going.
0: Yeah, same, mate. Um, I'm, even, even if he doesn't perform this week and still scores 40-45, if he can get around that, we're still not going to drop him. With his draw, I'll, I'll, I'll just hold him and play him, play him as a reserve. and Or if he ends up coming in someone like the Storm, I'll just hold him out. I've got enough coverage. And big puppy, big Dylan Napa,
1: he um, scored a disappointing 35. And I tell you what, he... Um, you know, we both get enough things wrong to be able to earn the right to celebrate the things that we get right. So yeah, I'm going to cop it for a lot of things that I get wrong this year, no doubt. But one of the things that I think I got right is I said all pre-season that Dylan Napa is a spud for super Coach. He's never been a big-minute player consistently across um, a whole season. And for the last couple of years, he hasn't been fit enough to play big minutes, doesn't have the potential to play big minutes. He ended up playing 43 minutes and being really stock standard he um, ended up at least going 35 points. So even at, you know, 288k, it wasn't huge value. And I don't really see much upside for Napa. So if you made the mistake of starting with him, um, watching the game and looking at his stats, I reckon that he's a great downgrade option to someone like a, um, a Jacob Host where you can make a 100 grand out of it and you could just get rid of him straight away.
0: Yeah, 100%, mate. I think you're sort of stating the obvious, banging on. Um... On there with him, but yeah, especially especially um with his proven background, mate. He's just a low minute guy. Just don't go near him.
1: He's in um twenty three percent of teams at the moment as well. Um, so he's he's he heard, heard a did, lot of teams. You're kidding? No. Nope. He um the the groundswell of of talk that he had in the preseason was phenomenal to me as a Roosters fan that's watched him for a lot of years. And with his performances the last couple of years and his numbers, you know, I, I just think that a lot of people were expecting him to get 55 or even 60 minutes, some people said. And he's he's just never been a 60-minute type of player.
0: Yeah, well, last time we talked about uh, um, an ex-Roosters player, we banged on for about 40 minutes on Kane Evans. So <laughs> let's,
1: just
0: leave it, let's, just, let's just leave this one. The bloke's pretty ordinary. We told you so. <laughs> yep. Uh,
1: so... The next game uh, in the round was uh, Tigers vs. Manly. Uh, Tigers prevailed 20-6. to six. Manly's backline looked horrid um, on paper, and it was pretty bad in real life as well. Robbie Farrow had a uh, turn-back-the-clock moment, scoring 110 points and a double in the try-scoring column. Um, no one on the bench for Robbie to, to have a bit of a rest, so he ended up playing the 80. He's, uh, he's a serious plod. if he started with him. He, um, he looked really good, and you'd be super impressed with that round one performance.
0: Oh mate, absolutely! If you went back sort of four years and sort of saw that bench, it would have been in everyone's team. But uh, um, do you have any idea how far away Little or Reynolds are? And because based on his performance, mate, if he's playing like that, they're not going to want to chuck a utility on. The Tigers just going to go as hard as they can with Farrell leading away. But is it a risk to bring him in now? Or based on their draw and how he's going, do you just get the guy? In? Like he's even with the even taking those tries out, mate. He, he, Robbie's an absolute junior you know he's going to get those. Yeah look uh, looking at the game I thought he played really well but I
1: wouldn't be running to get him in and the reason being is because I do think that Little and Reynolds are not going to be far off. I don't see Reynolds sticking in reserve grade forever. I, I just don't see him playing 80 minutes going forward for too long. Maybe he does it for a couple of weeks, maybe he does it for a month
0: but pretty soon in the near future I don't think he will be. Especially if he's retiring they've got a sort of Maybe they do need a transition a little bit of experience. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But, yeah, look, at least watch this week and watch the be- watch, um, who's named on the bench for round three and make your decision. Just remember, follow your gut. Don't let us talk you-, talk you out of him. If you like Farah and you think he's going well and you see all forwards on the bench round three, go for it. But, um, yeah, just watch that. Um, watch the up-and-comers from the um, flag teams.
1: Luke Garner... Um- was a, a nice um, cheapy to mid guy that was um, really impressive on the weekend as well. He scored 80 points in what was a busy performance. He had a line break and a try with that. Um, I didn't actually own him for round one. Um, and when I was watching the game, I really wish that I did when he went over for that try. He's um, he's an interesting one because he scored really well in round one. But one of the things that I was looking at thinking about, he's got a line break and a try. In that, and he had a couple of TBs that, that went into that as well to score that try. I'm pretty sure. So he was actually right around probably 50 points or less um, in his score if you if you took that out. And he's obviously not going to score that many tries, I wouldn't think. So I'm I'm struggling, Billy. So I'm interested in your in your feedback on it. Um, he looked really good watching him, but on the other hand, when I look at the numbers of that game, I'm thinking to myself that he might only be a 50 point player. And something that everyone, including us, has to remember is. After one price rise, that round one score is gone. Um, So for me, I'm going to watch him really hard this week. Um, But I'm thinking that maybe he's going to punch out a sort of a 45 to a 50. And if he does, I might have to let him go and get one of the cheaper options.
0: I hope so, mate, because I feel like an idiot already. Um, When we talked about the uh, Tigers' edges in our podcast a couple of years ago, we were talking about um, attacking prowess and whether someone like Madison was was worthwhile. And the things we came up with was... uh, in all of last year, the Tigers' right edge and left edge combined had a, had one try the entire year between them, and uh, Madison Madison will not get uh, fed anything unlikely to go over and the left left side guy would get 65 minutes and never go over. Yet round one, the 65-minute guy's gone over and the right-edge guy with no try has got 67 points in the freaking base. So <laughs> I, I don't know what's happened with the time. I'm just going to say, if you got either of them, well done.
1: Yeah, and he had 67 points and he was very, very impressive. Um, he, he played the full 80, obviously, and he he scored a lot better than I thought he would. I thought he'd be about 57 points and he was 67 points. So he's definitely a watch for me. Um, He looks like that he he could be really good. He had 18 hit-ups, which is a lot more than what I expected of him and even threw an offload in there. So those runs and that offload aren't what we really saw at the Roosters last year. Uh, So maybe his game is going to develop a little bit more.
0: Yeah, mate, honestly, I think of the two, um, if I had to choose one this week based on last week's effort, I would probably still go Madison purely because I would like that 60, 60 or 65 points in base each week. And he's, he he is looking dangerous. I don't think he's the the same type of edge that the Tigers have had the last sort of few years. He looks a lot more dangerous. I reckon he'll he'll get something this year. Um, so I don't think it it would be um, real clever just, just to go pure numbers and precedent. here. I think he's the goods. Ghana, if you need money, um, I wouldn't get him this week. I'd watch him and see how his minutes go see 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 what's sort the of base base score he gets without without that try to make a decision on um in round three, knowing that that score is going to roll out
1: yeah and sorry, i'll I'll correct one of the numbers that I threw out there as well. Garner only got sixty five minutes, not eighty minutes, so that was the other issue for me he was he was at sixty five minutes not eighty.
0: Yeah, mate, I wouldn't take Angus Crichton playing in 65 minutes, so would you take Garner? Pure, <laughs> yeah. Purely Look, because purely because of the price. Look, he's still going to make some money, but no, I'm just thinking
1: that maybe guys like Jacob Post for 100K less are going to make the money quicker. So um, maybe but, we'll watch it for this week and see how he goes. But his he, Tiger's teammate um, I'm, I'm interested in mentioning. Uh, Mikhail, who we um, had on debut, he, he looked like an absolute weapon. Like, he's a big kid. He played 31 minutes, which was, for a bottom price, cheapy. He was someone I threw in my team right before lockout. Um, and, gee, I was happy that I did. He was like a 24-tackle, 11-hit-up guy with two offloads in those 31 minutes. Looked pretty damaging and scored 38 points, which for a base rookie front row forward, um, it's, it's pretty much as good as you can get when he's coming off the bench.
0: Yeah, happy with that decision. Um, that one was purely based off the fact that, um, like you said, uh, massive, massive lad, um, massive raps on him. Tigers had uh, two edges on on the bench, so likely they get bigger minutes than Flagler, um, who had um, four forwards on the bench, but, and two two um, a guy like TPJ is known known for big minutes, and the, the Storm had uh, known for giving their bench guys, let alone their starters, decent minutes. So I chose him over the Storm Storm guy and and Flagler and. Yeah, looking like that one's paying off so far. So really happy with his uh, minutes and PPM.
1: Yeah, and just a quick stat on um, on Michaela as well. He he got thirty one minutes, and Russell Packer only got twenty seven. So he looks like that he's he's leapfrog Packer already um, in the pecking order as far as minutes go. Uh, so that's a really good sign.
0: I think that's exactly what we guessed last week too, wasn't it? Um, sort of Flegler around sort of twenty twenty five absolute max. Um, same same with the. Uh, Storm guy, and, um, yeah, McCalla getting around 30. Yeah, that's what we are hoping
1: for, so at least we got that one right. Um, Momorovsky was a bit disappointing. He was only 24 points, and because he wasn't bottom dollar, I steered cleared of him, and, and I was pretty happy that I did. Um, but a more disappointing one to mention, Billy, uh, for the Seagulls, there was a lot of disappointments, but Daily Cherry Evans was only 22 points. If you started with DCA, would you would you persist with him? Or is he one of those guns where you just go, you know, Manly looks so bad, um, I'm going to have to look at cutting him if he doesn't perform this week?
0: Well, oh, their forwards are depleted even further now. Who have they got this week? Uh, Manly have got my boys, the Roosters, this week. Oh, cut your losses, mate. He's, he's, he's one guy that would not even bother waiting on.
1: Marty Tapao scored 43 points as well, which um, I thought he was going to have a, bu- a massive game because playing the Tigers, who he used to play for, I thought he was going to get up for it, and it also looked like he was going to get big minutes. He only played 45 minutes, um, had a bit of a hand issue, but it looks like that's fine. Pretty disappointing round one performance from Marty. He had zero offloads and only 9 hit eat-ups.
0: It's because he had a hand in everything, mate. The bloke was sitting on 40 points after 28 minutes, and I was sitting at home thinking, freaking hell, what have I done? And then I came back four hours later, he was still on it on 40 points or something or other, so I was pretty happy with that. But, um, yeah, I didn't know he actually had a hand injury until later. So, um, yeah, unlucky for the owners. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't stress too much about him um, just yet. He's the type of guy he'd probably give, you know, another two or three weeks r- rather than one because you know he can bounce back at any minute and those offloads are going to come. Ma- ma- maybe the offloads didn't come because he got limited minutes in the second half and um, obviously pre- maybe protecting that hand a little bit. So, yeah. Who knows, but I would hold Marty and to see how he goes over the next three or four rounds as opposed to just the one.
1: Yeah, and you're going to want him for round 12 anyway. So any guys that are guns that you've got already for round 12, you'd really want to have a think about those decisions to dump them if you're going to end up burning a trade to get them back in later as well. Yep, 100%, mate. Marty's one of those guys. So Jake um pretty much what we we're hoping for. A solid 58 points, but not worth his money. Um, so for those that didn't start with him that were sort of hoping for a good score but not a great score...
0: Started off well for the non jerbo uh, owners. Yep, happy with that call. He was the lay of the year for me. Um, next, next week, he'll come out, score 120, and I'll get all the hate mail. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, watching um, this game, uh, I think the Seagulls are
1: going to be a lot better off when they get Turbo back. But that's probably not going to be until round four.
0: But they'll get better when t- Turbo comes back. Turbo, um, Gerber, mate, Turbo not the worst buy in the world. Um, you're not getting what you pay for out of him at the moment, but. Um, I don't think he even played eighty. I think he came off was seventy-two minutes or something. So he probably still had a little bit. He normally plays eighty, so he would have had a little bit more in. So he probably would have got you up to sort of mid-sixty score, like close enough to your seventy-two. Still not what you paid for, but not not far off it for a guy that's uh, supposed to be uh, set and forget. So. um yeah, look, I think it's no-brainer. Everyone's going to sit on him, but don't, don't be too disappointed about that just yet.
1: Yeah, his next game, he was pretty disappointing for Dragons fans. The North Queensland Cowboys prevailed 24-12, to uh, and the Dragons attack looked pretty bad. Uh, I really don't know what Mary McGregor's doing with these experiments, but if he keeps going with these experiments of shifting his, his whole spine around halfway through matches and stuff, or uh, moving guys out of position constantly, then... Um, Jeez, he's probably going to be the first coach fired, I reckon. <laughs> Mate, the way he's going, I'll be on the bench soon. <laughs> yeah, and you'll probably get to play hooker and fullback in the same game. Um, but aside from that, let's uh, concentrate on the supercoach. I'm, sh-
0: I'm not sure they've got a jersey big enough for me, brother.
1: <laughs> well, Jason Tamalolo's got a pretty big jersey, and he got a pretty big supercoach score, 99 points. Um, he had two line breaks in that, but he was very damaging. Uh, and you know he looked like he might have been worth the money with how he went. I'm I'm pretty keen to have another look at him though, um, because as good as it he performed, um, he did have two line breaks in that, and you know I just I really want to see him do it again um, to make sure that I'm I'm spending that money wisely. But he looks like he's going to be a pretty good buy um, because he had one try assist in there with one of those line breaks as well, and he had 21 hit ups so. He was certainly busy, unfortunately no offloads, but he did play a big 62 minutes, which is pretty good for him.
0: To be fair, mate, those line, those line breaks is probably what everyone was kind of expecting, him being on the edge. More opportunity to go over, so the smaller smaller guys. I was filthy at him being named out there at the last minute, um, Probably still wouldn't have bought him anyway, but wouldn't have given me. Being named that late, probably didn't give many many people too many too many chances to try and um, sw- uh, switch around if they wanted to. Um, I'm kind of happy that he's been named back at lock again this week, knowing that you know, he's going to get his 60 minutes in the middle and less chance of sort of busting through busting through an edge. So, uh, I
1: think mean, they'll they'll flick it around again, mate, because they on the weekend they had Maguire um, on the bench and pre game they actually. Put Cooper back to the bench, shifted Tomalolo into um, the second row spot on the edge, and um, and started Maguire at lock. So I dare say they're probably yeah. going to do it
0: again. Yeah, I know that. I'm um, just, I'm just kind of praying that it's the um, maybe the guy's actually healthy this week, and, and and it's it's a, it's a set sort of forward pack. They're actually going to stay with this week rather than change at the last minute.
1: <laughs> well, we can hope. Um, he he definitely looks like a good buy. Uh, I guess I'm probably. I'm looking at him as an option for Brown after watching him on the weekend, but I think I want to see one more week of him to sort of see what he throws out there because this round one score, uh, he's going to rotate out pretty quickly and he's already pretty expensive. But one guy that is going to go up for sure is Michael Morgan, who scored a big 72, um, and that 72 points was second best in this game, and it was huge value for a guy that's only 400k billy.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Was hoping he wouldn't go too ballistic too early, but he has. So uh, props to anyone who got him. Um, after seeing what um, Cleary and Cleary and S J and Co kind of did on, um, on the weekend, I can now see what, see why what people go for a lot of value instead of so four hundred k kind of halves around. So Moses and anyone 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 can score well on a day. So. Um, with that type of forward pack, um, mate, the sky's the limit for a bloke who's um, now got, you know, the, the dominant half out, out, out of the way. Um, i still like to give him another week and see how he goes, but yeah, he's definitely looking really dangerous, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he is. Um, another guy that looked dangerous, but not quite as much, but for the Dragons, was the second-top point scorer in 62-point Paul Vaughan. He looked really good, I thought, um, and the Dragons are even more depleted with um, Tyson Frizzell going down now as one more middle forward that they don't have. Vaughan, um I thought, looked good, but more importantly, he got 54 minutes, which is a um, a bit more than those 40s that he was playing in um, last year. If he ends up sticking to sort of 54 to 58 minutes, um, he looks like he could be a really good option with um, the troops a bit down in the middle rotation for the Dragons.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, although... The only thing, I got, dragons are probably a decent buy uh, around five, but probably that's probably more for sort of outside backs and guys. And so they're going to you know, fluctuate in value. forward if they're getting decent minutes, you just got to get them in because you know they're going to get the runs anyway. Um, look, if he gets another fifty-five minutes this week and, and got a couple of offloads going, uh, definitely an option. But there's probably a lot, of, a lot, a lot better people that are going to be. Um, um, available with better sort of break-evens around three. So I think I feel that a lot of people are probably going to miss their opportunity with him. He-, he might increase a little bit in price, but you can probably still pick him up around four or five. Not too expensive if you wanted to go for others.
1: Yeah, probably a good point. And I don't think that he's going to be um, having massive scores either. He's probably going to be some solid 60s. So um, definitely can wait and see with Vorney, um, one of the cheaper guys that went well was, uh, Jacob Host, who scored 45 points, he looks like a pretty solid proposition for the Dragons now, because, um, even with Frizzell down, um, it looks like Laurie's coming into that spot, so, um, Host looks like he's probably got that edge spot for in the near future, so he's going to make a bit of cash, and if he can score those mid-40s, um, he looked pretty good on the weekend, I thought, sort of just getting through the work, played 67 minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that, mate, um, the only reason I bought him over there, over uh, Flegel and uh, and and Co is because he had a starting spot. And if there's any type of injury, then he's he's, he's first in. And I'd I'd rather a guy getting sort of fifty, sixty minutes guaranteed over, over a bench guy. So yeah, just a bit of luck that he's sort of going to um, keep starting. But um, them's the breaks, mate. That's what happens.
1: Yeah, well, them's the breaks um, for Gareth Witterboners. That's for sure because he um, he was pretty awful, scoring twenty one points. And, mate, I'm interested in in your advice on this one, but, you know, Mike, I said earlier, my caveat on the, you know, don't trade the top flight guns because they'll come good is if they're in a different situation or role, then it's all bets off. And um, Gareth Widdop was a great gun last year, but he's in a very different situation, playing a different position in fullback and also a guy that's getting shuffled around mid-game now. Um, To me, it's just, it all looks very bad for the Dragons. And in the near future, I don't see them getting much better, to be perfectly honest, watching that game. I would not want to own any dragons backs right now, and if I owned with it I'd certainly be trading him out.
0: Oh, I'd be trading him hundred um, percent. It's not like um, you know, it's not like uh, Munster or Milford going back to fullback where they're sort of known runners and tackle busters. He, he's not a running, running tackle busting guy. He's a he's a he's a guy who sweeps and no, knows how to knows how to. Um, um, hit, hit, his, hit his runners, but he just seems like a, a, a last-touch type of guy out there, looking a little bit sort of lost. He's still kicking goals, which is a great asset for him. I might go against it just a little bit and say, look, if you've if you gone this far and sort of got, gone all out to sort of get a pod and he's only had one game at fullback, maybe give him an, a, another one, at, at, but another one at the most. Unless he's shown some real improvement, um, especially in your base, uh, you've got to cut him
1: yeah i mean that's that's fair I guess the other way to look at it too is that if you've um if you're pretty happy with your team but you've got some trades that you have to make this week and you need some money to do it then um he'd be at the bottom of the barrel for me for one of the first guys I'd trade out if i needed to do it so he's he could be frustrating in the future, but you know hopefully he does come good for those guys that hold the uh the next game was the uh panthers versus the eels and uh, mate the mighty eels for you they they got up twenty to twelve.
0: I had my eyes closed the whole time, dude.
1: <laughs>
0: then, um, someone reminded me at half time, you know, this time last year, the Eels were up sort of 14 nil, and then the Panthers came back second half, and then uh, it was 14 6 and then 14 12. And I remember thinking, oh, shit, here we go again. And then we got away with it. So, oh, mate, I was pretty wrapped with that. Um, especially how the um, how the boys performed. I mean, we can go through them in a minute, but like, really impressed with that young half. I mean, that Sivo winger, although he didn't sort of, uh, Contribute much uh, sc wise, mate. Took a couple of dishing. He was big boy. Shame about Brown, but yeah, I'm really excited about this year, mate.
1: Yeah, they looked quite good. Um, so that probably we'll, we'll start off with the Eels. The number one point scorer for them for SuperCoach was Sean Lane, and I thought Lane looked really good. He got his 80 minutes, um, and that's it, it was 80 minutes where he I thought he looked quite good, and he actually in the attack looked quite dangerous. He um, he got a really good offload away for a, a, a line break assist, try assist, um, which was really crucial for them. Um, and I, I just thought that he, overall, he gave us exactly what we were hoping for from him, which at 500k, that sort of 73-point score, that's really good upside. He was one of the best um, options in the forward pack for the round. And he was actually, I think, the number one front row forward option, I'm pretty sure, um, super coach-wise, for the round with his scoring. So couple of offloads, good tackles, decent amount of runs with a couple of TBs. He was sort of right what we expected him to be.
0: Yeah, look, if you haven't got him, I reckon he's probably one of the better buyers for um, this weekend. Like, if you're not after like, a guy like uh, Bateman to, or, or Coe to, to fill out your centre three-quarter and you've got, um, but you do have some money just to fly around or you want to replace um, Brown, and you, there's no Tom or Gerbo type that you really, really want... The I reckon he's a solid VC, even going to go far as saying a, a half-decent to the captaincy option this week versus the dog's edge.
1: Yeah, I, I reckon he's a pretty decent shout for a VC. I don't think I'd have the balls to captain him, but um, yeah, definitely a good downgrade option from, say, a Brown owner. I'm interested, though, on your take on a couple of good-performing guys that I really wasn't still sure about after the game, and that was uh, Nakore, who scored 72 points, and also uh, Reed Marnie, who scored... 63 from hooker and has been a really popular option for guys pre-season and also guys looking to downgrade their second hooker at the moment. With both of those guys, um, I kind of looked at their at their numbers and just sort of thought both of them got um, tries uh, with um, Marnie getting a line break as well. Um, and taking those out, I just thought that their scores were, were pretty ordinary for guys that are sort of 350 to 400k. Um, I, I wasn't really that impressed, even though their scores were good. Watching the games and looking a bit deeper, I just don't know if they've got the work rate um, to be that super coach relevant every game.
0: No, Nakori doesn't have the work rate. I had a look at him uh, last year and all am very excited for him to score a try. Um, you've got to remember his minutes were potentially inflated by Brown going down. Um, Lane was always going to get 80 on that left edge, but I reckon he was probably going to get sort of 60-65 uh, and... Um, maybe maybe get Browns a, a little bit a little bit of a spell a bit of a bit of a rotation there with um what's his name coming off the bench so he might not get sort of the same minutes this week um mar is going to lock this week so it'll be interesting to see what what his, what uh, what he scores there but uh, by the time he sort of uh, but by the time he proves himself that anyone has any sort of money to, money, money to get him, Manon is going to come back and, and ruin all that. So I reckon Lane's your best bet for now. Uh, forget anyone else. Um, and but wait for uh, Mao to come back and fill in that lock position until Brownie comes back. Yeah. That's, available to too. So he's going to be a great, a great person in a few weeks at Mao.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. Um, the top performer for the Panthers was James Tamau with the best score in the game at 106 points, which included a line break and also a try. Uh, A few people are talking about jumping on, Tamal. I thought he was very damaging um, and he looked really good, but the important thing to remember is his minutes were quite inflated. Um, Selle went down pretty early with a busted arm um, and they also had um, a couple of other injuries as well with Isaiah Yao going um, out and Leota going out as well. So to me, Tamiel is not going to get that minute in the 60s, and he's certainly not going to get a try and a line break each game. I'm just putting him down to a really good super coach performance, but not one that I'm interested in looking at as a
0: purchase. I'm more interested in eating a vegan Caesar salad right now than getting Tammy, mate.
1: <laughs> Let's move on from him then. There isn't many um, other good news stories for the Panthers, aside from Wade Egan, who got his 67 points. Uh, and anyone who had him kind of got lucky with um, the late pull-up to the starting side. Um, he ended up reducing. Other than that, it all looked pretty ordinary. And some of the guys that were ordinary were pretty big names. Josh Mansell got 15 points and showed exactly why we weren't very keen on him in the preseason. He just didn't look like he had the work rate or tackle-busting ability to be someone that we wanted. Um, and we saw that. The Panthers did look in general disarray. Um, and they had some really bad football options in their attack which looks like it's going to take a while to click, uh, which wasn't good news for Cleary either. So Cleary only scored 25 points, uh, and he really wasn't himself. Um, I'm holding Nathan Cleary, but certainly watching the game, there was a few causes for concern with the Penrith Panthers and how well Nathan Cleary is going to click in the near future.
0: Yeah, especially him playing left side and kick out not being there either. Um, I know he should have ventured over to the right uh, a little bit too, so he, he was seen on both sides of the park that, Maloney seems to get a lot, of the, a lot of the ball too, especially the fifth option. So I know they're going to sort of sort of load share. Uh, I know he's the average his he's kicking goals was sort of 72, but yeah, I'm I'm really concerned about that at the moment. Maybe, maybe it's got more to do with um, um, you know, team dynamics or culture or some issues at the club at the moment. Who, who knows, mate? But um, if anyone's going to be on the chopping block, it'll, it'll be SJ, but yeah, I'd be concerned about his performance at the moment.
1: I'm holding clearing myself um, and I'm going to stick solid, I think. He isn't that expensive at five seventy seven and um the Panthers will turn it around pretty soon. Um they just didn't look very good on, on the weekend.
0: Yeah, they just got dominated by the Eels, mate. Uh, oh, as as everyone does. The Eels
1: are the number one premiership <laughs> force in twenty nineteen. I just, I just wanted to chuck that I just wanted to chuck that out once this year. Uh, take it while you can get it, mate. Could be very different after round two. Um for the Eels, I thought Fervo was solid with his forty points and Pretty much, um, you shouldn't be real disappointed with 40 points considering everything, but also showed why paid 600k for a winger wasn't going to be great after a career year. Showed us exactly why. Um, Brown was solid with his 39. Um, other than that, probably the only big disappointment was Nathan Brown going down um, early with uh, a 20-point score. And I'll tell you what, he looked really good before he went down injured, Billy, and I was getting pretty excited for a big game from him.
0: Oh, mate, I was... <laughs> I was uh very excited sitting on that couch by myself and then that happened. Was uh distraught, mate, both from a eels as well as Supercoach point of view. He he just looked so involved and angry, just getting to everything. I had a couple of offloads and seemed like it seemed like he was on thirty points after eight minutes and I remember thinking, Here we go. Here this is my year and then yeah, that happened.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, let's move on, mate, because I don't want you to gloat about the Eels all night. So um, the next one, we've got the Raiders, 21 to zip winners over the Titans. And if you want to know what a Spud Supercoach game looks like, scoring-wise, it was this one. The Gold Coast Titans scored the least amount of points out of any side Supercoach-wise, with 536 points for the round. And, um, you know, the Raiders was okay, but not great at 656. So combined, this was actually the lowest scoring Uh, super coach game for the round, which was the last one as well. So it was a bit of a kick in the teeth for guys hoping for a big finish. Um, For the Titans, uh, Arrow was the one half shining light. He scored 60 points, um, which I was actually happy with. Some people were a bit disappointed, but he scored those 60 points in only 55 minutes. um, And as some people rightly pointed out, um, their rotations were out a little bit, um, and normally what probably would have happened is he would have come on for that last 10 minutes and he would have punched out a 65-point game, which would have given him you know 70-something points. So it was right where we projected him to be, Billy. It just ended up being one of those crappy games where he got a few less minutes and it didn't quite pan out.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Like it, it, it was wet, so a little bit, little bit more ball security. Um, he did get a couple of offloads away, which was great. He was, he was looking really good, but yeah, like you said, mate, in the wet you're not going to run as hard um, and get those extra meters. And yeah, they've they already been flogged, but there was no point bringing him on for that last ten minutes. So he, he's missed out on ten points there. So you to add those ten points, mate, he, he, he would have scored. Uh, Seventy against a team that was sort of pretty much well beat inside inside the wet first game of the year. So he's just going to get more sort of um, uh, match fitness. And even if he only ends up playing around the sixty sixty five minute mark, mate, the um, the world's your oyster for that bloke. I will happily captain captain him again this week.
1: Yeah, if you if you've got Nathan Brown and you don't have Arrow, you should be getting him in your side, in my opinion. You know he's in twenty six percent of teams, so it's not like he's not in. He's a pod or anything, but. I, I would expect him to be 50% of teams. I think he's that good. He really should be more highly owned, and I'd be looking at getting him in the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah for, agree. For the Raiders side, mate, um, Bateman was the number one talking point. He scored 65 points, and you know he did most of that in base. Ended up playing 80 minutes at lock, which we weren't expecting, um, but was a pleasant surprise for his owners. I'm not going to buy him this week, um, but if he busts out 80 minutes again, this week, and and all the three back rowers for uh, the Raiders all played eighty minutes. If he busts out another eighty eighty minute game this week and scores sixties, I'm going to have to get him in round two, and that's sort of my plan.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm just going to get him this week because I, I need someone, uh, someone for Brownie. I'm just going to play him in the second row and rotate him down uh, next week when I get rid of someone down there. But yeah, even if he even if he doesn't play eighty this week, and he and he only plays sixty. Um, it's a lot more than what we were expecting. We, we, were sitting, we were sitting back thinking, look, let's just lay off him just in case he plays sort of 50 minutes and only scores sort of um, um, uh, 50 points. He might be sort of a pick up later. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, the only thing I'm concerned about is um, the 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 other Pombie import. He either didn't play at all or got limited minutes. Which one was it? He barely played, so um,
1: Sutton found himself on the outside looking in. He... Um he was always going to be a boom or bust. It was He had to win that starting that starting jumper, uh, basically off Soliola, um, and he didn't, and they ended up starting Soliola. So he played very few minutes. He um, he only ended up getting, I'm pretty sure, about 14 minutes, uh, 13 minutes he got on the field. So he's going to be irrelevant.
0: Yeah. Maybe he gets more minutes and it affects the rotation a little bit because Tappany and um, Whitehead are both going to play 80. So... Um, and Hodgson is going to play 80 as well. So you've got four guys on the bench who are going to rotate through what? You know, through forwards. Um, I think there's more to the rotations than meets the eye there. So, um, but yeah, yeah. look, but based on his base last week, I'm just going to take a punt and, and, and bring him in because that, that, that's the sort of basis in the three-quarter quarter is uh, invaluable.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I, I am worried about is the minutes which you raised. Look, it's probably fine. Um, I don't think it's bad to get him in this week. I've just got the luxury of being able to wait a week on him. The concern for me is that the bench didn't play very many minutes at all for the Raiders. Um, You know, you had all those bench players play very low minutes, and Papa and Soliola only played 47 and 46 minutes, respectively. Papa's a 60-plus-minute player, arguably their best forward, Um, so he's going to need to get, you know, 14 more minutes. The only possible place with Tapani and Whitehead playing 80 minutes on the edges that those minutes can come from, for those bench guys or for Papa to get his minutes, is going to have to be from that lock forward spot. And you know, I'd hate to buy him this week and, and see that he gets 60 minutes um, next round. Now, I wouldn't expect that to happen, Billy, but the the rotation just doesn't quite look right to me. Maybe they're going to go with something different. Maybe Papali's not going to get very big minutes in that prop jersey, but... Uh, I just want to wait and see.
0: I would absolutely love to wait and see, but um, for I'm that far behind. I think I'm around eighty thousandth. I just want to um, consolidate that base position and try and at least lift, um, at least change some of my winger scores from a potential twenty to maybe fifty. Even if even, even if it's a guy I only getting sort of fifty minutes, that's just my line of thought. But no, exactly what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we we touched on Tapini, so. May as well talk about him because he was highly disappointing. He only scored 33 points, and he did that in 80 minutes. He, he, I, I know what you said um, previously on him needing to score tries, but he normally has a lot more hit-ups and some offloads, and definitely a lot more TVs. And you know, his runs, you know, he had hardly any across that 80 minutes. He only ran the ball four times. That's probably the biggest concern for me. Um, but. In saying that, if I owned him, because I did manage to sell him before um, the round to get Fitzgibbon in, um, I'd wait another week to have a look, because the good news of his points is that um, whilst they were low, he did get 80 minutes in that game. So if he's going to keep getting 80 minutes, it could very well be that that game's an anomaly, because I don't think that we're going to go, you know, Probably won't go all year and see him only take four hit-ups in a game in 80 minutes again, I don't reckon.
0: Yeah, mate, I left work on um, Friday. Um, All the kids' footy training was cancelled. Massive thunderstorms. It was just absolutely belting down. I think I walked out the front door and 10 metres across the road and, yeah, clothes are saturated. So it was exactly the same thing on the Gold Coast, mate. It was absolutely pelting down there. So that ground would have been horrid. Um, The the ball would have been so heavy they couldn't even get it it, it 10 metres out to him. Um, I would just write that off as an anomaly and, just find and see what happens this week. Hopefully his base increases to 45 again and then you know he's going to um, start going over for a couple and you can make a decision next week.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I would stress as well that this was the worst Supercoach game of the round. It was horrid. Um, there was nothing real good about it. Um, and you can, you can write that game off and just sort of have a free look in round two, I reckon, and see what it looks like then. I reckon that's the best course of action. Um, Tyrone Peachy was terrible, 25 points but he was one that we kind of thought that he, he would be pretty bad and he looks like he's still going to be pretty bad playing in the centres for the Titans.
0: Yeah, I don't think there was any real interest for um, him from anyone um, given the plethora of cheapies available in that spot so not really much point talking about him too much.
1: No, nah, so th- that finishes off the round which was um, a pretty tough one, mate. Um, it wasn't the easiest round to get around, um, and I know a lot of good super coaches that didn't start off well, but probably the thing that I've said a couple of times to people that I'm sure that you'll agree with is um, you know, one round does not make a season, and there's no need to panic. Um, all the guys that you might have been you know, trying to um, shuffle in for round two, they're just as likely to be the guys that you're hating because you know they score real low like the guns that you're shuffling out did in round one, so... Just don't go chasing last week's points, I guess, is what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, one round doesn't make a season. Uh, can make a long season. Um, but like you said, if you start chasing uh, last week's scores, all you're actually doing is chasing the same guys that the people ahead of you have. And if you do that, how are you going to catch them? You, you need to you need to stick with your pods, or stick with your gut, or um, find alternate ul- ways of catching up. Because it, it, if you if you don't do that, the guys in front are just going to get another pod or, or, or another cheapie. And you know um, by the time you have got all the same guys, they are they're still sort of 100, 150, 200 points out in front, and they got well they got or the, the same got or the same pods that you're picking up. So do your pods early before they become pods no more, and, and use a strategy. you spent two or three months researching to get you over the line. 100%. So
1: let's have a five-minute roundup of TLT to have a look at the main changes. The Thursday night game into the Dragons versus the Rabideaus, mate. And probably the, the main one to take out of this one is we've got uh, Frizzell out. So Blake Laurie is going to start in the 13th jumper. Host is retaining that jumper 11. And it looks like that they're going to get very good minutes in that pack until um, Corbin Sims returns round three. Uh, that says to me that um, uh, Laurie is going to just hold the Sims spot so he's going to lose that in round three and host is the one that's the, the buy out of this TLT.
0: Yeah, um, if you manage to buy him uh, early, obviously you to play him this week. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be buying him now, though. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, one game, see what happens next week with um, Sims coming back. Yep. Uh,
1: there wasn't much else. The Rabideaux are uh, as per program from last week, so not too much to talk about with that one. The Raiders versus Storm, um, there was a couple of changes. Um, the... Main one is going to be the naming of Jordan Rapana, which is a huge surprise. So he wasn't meant to be back for a couple of months, um, and somehow he has been named in round two. So it's a really annoying part of the NRL where um, teams aren't really forced to give accurate um, injury information quite a lot of the time. Some teams are worse than others with that, and we're seeing that here with the Raiders, with um, Rapana clearly ahead of schedule by a couple of months. And that means that uh, Simonson is out of the side, which is... um,
0: very, very annoying, Billy. Yeah. Try to look at on, it on the right side though. Um, number one, it gives you a loop option this week. Very small window because they play early. But uh, secondly, um, look at the very least, maybe it maybe it maybe it eliminates one of so the potential high high flucker uh, winger so winger that you might not might not start that you know uh, scores 120 if someone else starts him. So maybe it limits a lot of the skew and risk for now. But yeah, it's definitely annoying that you know. Someone, someone you're boarding, gets one game, and you've got to sit there and either trade them out or do nothing for ages. Yeah.
1: Um, for the Storm, we've got Patrick Kafuzi coming in for Eisenhoof in the only change from the side last week. Uh, not too much to look at there. The Broncos versus the Cowboys. Um, this one we thought James Roberts was going to be out for, but he's actually been named, and it looks like that he's probably going to play. The other big change was um, Tavita Pangai Jr. starting at prop. Um, and Sean Fenton getting in the 17 on the bench there. It looks like um, Thomas Flegler is probably a a winner out of this TLT. Um, It looks like with that rotation that's been named, he's probably going to get some more minutes. TPJ starting is another uh, win for any TPJ owners. He scored 56 points last week, Billy, so the fact that he's starting, um, anyone that's stuck with him would be wrapped with this TLT this week. I think he gets
0: the same minutes as last week, but didn't he get to the fifty off the bench? I think he only got um forty something, unless I'm completely construed that. But um yeah, with Flegg, right, Fle- all right. So lodge, lodge got fifty five or something or other. Um, what's his name? Joe Offer got 40 48. 50, did isn't he? Yeah, um, Flagler got ten. Yeah, probably. I think he got some decent minutes there. Um, Fafita's starting as
1: well, so he ended up getting. Jaden Sewer's second-row spot, but obviously too expensive, but he's going to be a bit of a watch if he can drop some coin and, and get better with that spot.
0: Yeah, the good part about that is, though, he came off the bench round um, round one, so not, not the greatest score in the world. So even if he kills it this week and kills it next week, you, you can still get all the other guys and maybe pick him up round four if he's still playing, um, starting second row and playing decent minutes after, after four rounds. Yep.
1: Um, for the Cowboys, they didn't have too many changes. They obviously played pretty well last week. They're named the same side um, with Gavin Cooper in the number 11 jumper, but watch for that to change um, with uh, Maguire probably coming into the 13 and Tom Lolo moving into Cooper's spot. Um, Other than that, nothing really exciting happening with the Cowboys. Gold Coast Titans versus Cronulla Sharks at Shark Park. Uh, Probably the main big wins are that we've still got um, Britton Okora and Capewell starting in the back row, which is a great uh, win for those guys who have both of them like myself. Uh, for the Titans, there isn't really many changes at all, so it's pretty stock standard. Um, we had the Titans missing their lead half, Ash Taylor, last week. He's still out. Um, and on top of that as well, uh, Riley has come in for him, and AJ Brimson's still starting at six. So they've got Tyrone Roberts out as well. Um, it looks like that the Sharks will absolutely smash this one up, Billy, so... Not a lot of changes for the Sharks at all, but um, those halves are still going to be out for the Titans. uh, It looks like the Sharks could put on a lot of points.
0: I hope so. I am holding (laughs) SG. Might be a VC option for you there.
1: Um, Newcastle Knights versus the Penny Panthers. The Knights, um, as expected, stuck pretty much to program. Um, not any changes at all, aside from Daniel Safidi going out with the sprained MCL and Herman Sasa coming into the 17 in jumper 17. Their minutes are going to be exactly the same, you would think. So the rotation's going to be very similar to what we saw in round one. The Penrith Panthers, on the other hand, um, their rotation's probably going to be quite different. They've got Katoa back in the number nine jersey after passing the concussion protocol, which means Wade Egan's back to the bench. So his owners are going to be um, pretty worried. Um, we've got Jack Hetherington in jersey number 17 um, with Hame Sele starting in at lock after recovering from his arm injury. So this is going to be a real interesting one, Billy. Um, Knights versus Panthers. Knights looked good. Panthers looked terrible. I don't really know where this game's going to go.
0: Yeah, same, mate. Just sit back and watch and um hope uh, he does well. The uh, Eels
1: versus Roosters. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to be loading up on my Roosters players. Um, if I get Jake Friend, I'm probably going to get him for this week in case he gets another try. The Roosters are uh, exactly as per program last week, um, which means Angus Crichton is still on the bench. Hopefully, for those that are going to hold him, it's uh, a last minute change. The Sea Eagles, likewise, are looking the same, except for Manasseh Fainu, who comes onto the bench. As a bench hooker, um, he was suspended. This would be his first game of the season. And Corey Waddell comes onto the bench as well. So um, I'm, I'm very much considering a, a C Tedesco, which um, might be a bit crazy, Billy.
0: But I tell you what, that's Eagles back line. This has got Teddy bounce back written all over it. Yeah, Teddy definitely bounced back round two last year and the year before and the year before. Um, it was either round one or round two that he scored pretty pretty well every year with Matt with Big, big scores. I would um, not begrudge anyone that, uh, doing that this week. Um very tempted to do it myself, too. Um just depends on whether I have the balls to go with you.
1: Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to wait and see closer to kick off what I want to do. Um, the Canterbury
0: Bulldogs, Yeah, I'd uh, watch the weather, mate. And if it's dry track and doing good, then, yeah, go for it. It's just at Manly, though, isn't it? It is Freaking at Manly, car. yeah, 7.35pm. Yeah, yeah, that's the only, only thing. So it's at the old, um, old fortress, mate.
1: Yeah, if it's a clear night, um, I'm pretty keen on Chetty. But if there's some rain that's forecast, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to change my mind. i tell you what, coming off a loss, mate, they'll be fired up. Yeah, but, you know, that, uh, fired up the so Eagles side with the personnel they've got in that back line probably still isn't going to be enough for the Roosters, I've got to say. I, I think that the Chooks are specials to win by 24-plus. I really do.
0: I was referring to the Chooks, mate. <laughs> I don't oh, say, right, well, yeah. I, I, I,
1: don't,
0: I, I don't see Manly firing up with anything.
1: Uh, I thought you meant after the Vanley loss. Now nah, I don't think they're going to fire him no. either. The Tedesco VC is a good option if you've got someone in the games afterwards. Otherwise, um, maybe a ballsy C. Henry Bulldogs versus your boys, the Parramatta Eels on Sunday. Um, this one is a good look at Kerrod Holland for free for me. But the rest of the rotation looks like it's going to be the same. Um, they haven't changed their side at all. Parramatta Eels have got a couple of changes though. So. Uh, Damon Salmon has to come in for Will Smith, who's got a broken hand and he's out approximately six weeks. Um, that's going to be interesting. Reid Marnie got 65-ish minutes last week with Will Smith coming on. I'm interested to see what role Salmon actually plays. Um, and aside from that, they've also obviously got Nathan Brown gone. So that means that they've got Tepai Marora um, at the 13, but Junior Paulo just comes straight into the 17 with him missing last week with a slight strain in his leg. Um, mate, do you reckon this is going to be another win, and what sort of role do you reckon Salmon's going to play off the bench? I
0: don't know. Um, mate, I honestly don't know much much about him. All I know is that he he's, he was he was potential for the, a half spot, and then he was guaranteed a centre spot, and now he's going on the bench as a utility when our utility is generally used as a nine, so I don't know where his skill set lies and whether he actually has the capability of plugging a nine hole, but I, I really don't know. I'm just speculating. I reckon he just sits there and sort of plugs a whole wherever. Maybe, maybe plays 10 minutes, maybe comes on sort of, you know, after 55 minutes and goes to nine to throw my for a bit. That's the only thing I can think of.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I'm not too sure myself. The, uh, the final games at Campbelltown Stadium where the Tigers take on the Warriors, and they were two of the better-formed teams um, in the competition, the Tigers are persisting with the same uh, side that they named, which means it's a big win for Luke Garner owners. Um, Alex 12 still in that number 10 jersey, and, and Momorowski has retained his centre spot. Um, and the bench is the same as well. Probably um, the worry, though, uh, for people to, to have a, a look at is um, Moses Embai in jersey 18, um, and he's going to be straight in if he's, if he's recovered from injury. And that's going to really throw that back line around. Someone like Paul Momorowski could find himself out, um, if not Mahe Fenua. The other thing as well is that uh, Josh Reynolds is in Jersey 19, so he could very well come on the bench as a um, a bench utility type as well. So um, this is the last game of the round, mate. It's, it's a very dangerous extended bench for the last round game.
0: Um, probably not so much for um, a guy like Garner, because um, you know you know he's going to start and, and it's an edge game. Um, Uh, with with decent potential, probably, like you said, probably more more risk for Momorowski. It's a tough one, because if you're going to play Momorowski for one more game, this is the game that you probably actually want to play, just in case he goes well. Um, Dry track at Camel Town against that lot, but you'd want to have an out, if possible, being the last game of the weekend. Um, Otherwise, you're copying an AE, so, yeah, it depends. I'd want to follow Wacko's Whispers or something or other with some solid mail on that one. I reckon that Amby is gonna be playing. So even if
1: and if, if Josh Reynolds comes in as well, it's really gonna throw things out. Um and I, I wouldn't play Momorowski. I would just plan ahead and just play one of the other cheapies personally.
0: Wouldn't uh if anyone drop out, wouldn't it be someone like Fenua or something or other? Um, in the preseason,
1: um, it was talked about that Fenua was gonna be the guy that misses out. So you would expect so. <laughs> um, but I think it's gonna be on form, um and you know, I don't think Momorowski was phenomenal in round one. So, you know, if on form they think that um, they're better off keeping Fanua, Fanua can easily slide into centre, into Momorowski's um, number three jersey, Corey Thompson into the, the wing spot that he's had before, and White uh, has come straight in at one. So it's not like that they'll be playing Fanua out of position, really. Um, he's probably more of a centre anyway, so...
0: I think the best... Yeah, the best go sounds three quarter this week is probably, you know, your, your obvious um C at fullback back and the again. With the dogs dogs being pretty ordinary in their back line, I I'd be inclined to play Sivo if um if you if you got him. Um I reckon he's probably up for some points this week. And then then your your pod like like your Bateman or whoever or your, whoever else you, you you got there to chuck in but um, yeah, I reckon th- those will be three that I'll be playing this week in the Senate's 3 quarter line.
1: Yep, agreed. Uh, for the Warriors, um, probably the big change is that we've got uh, Isaiah Papali back. Um, he's been named in jersey 17 with Loughlin retaining the 13 jersey, but don't be surprised if um, an hour before kick-off we see Papa Lee going to the number 13 and Loughlin move back to the bench. I think that's a decent chance of happening. We've also got um, No Isaac Luke with... Um, Nathaniel Roach still starting um, but Isaac Luke is in jersey 22 um, and is rumoured to be coming back so again I'd just be real careful in playing Nathaniel Roach um, because there's a decent chance that Luke could end up in the 17 and being the very last game of the round you, you could get end up a bit stuck with that one
0: Yeah I'm loving this one I've got um, Papali and Burr uh, on the bench so whoever starts I'll uh, chuck him in. That works out oh, as, as a real good safety net for you mate <laughs> especially after the 53 points last week. I'm loving it. Um, uh, but yeah, I know exactly what you're saying about um, uh, Roach there. I know a couple of people got him. I didn't realize he was available at center three Quarter. That was a really, really sneaky option for those looking for a quick sort of um, base points with um, uh, pending sort of Luke's return and whether he actually returns this week. I noticed a couple of very astute uh, coaches got him there and got a try, so that was pretty sneaky. But yeah... Um, Uh, risky option this week with uh, Luke on that extended boat. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just be real careful with that last last
1: round one, guys, but that's the last one. Um, Hopefully we have some good news next week, Billy, with both of us scoring much higher than round one.
0: Oh, I will, mate. I can't do much uh, worse than 800.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm hoping that I don't get any injuries after Nathan Brown killed me, but um, yeah, hopefully we'll have better news stories next week as far as the scoring department goes, but Thanks for jumping on, Billy. Good luck with the captaincy choices this week.
0: Thanks, mate. Please talk me into Teddy later in the weekend. Oh, mate,
1: I'll be, I'll be calling you about it. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> yes, brother. All right, guys. Um, so thanks for
1: tuning in again. Um, you can download us on SoundCloud and iTunes as normal. Also, give us a follow on NRL underscore SC underscore All on Twitter. Uh, please do share us around. Um, let others know about the podcast. We've got a um, good group of followers on Twitter now as well, which is nice to see. Uh, getting stuck into the season and really excited about it. So thanks for all the positive feedback. Good luck with round uh, two. Hopefully everyone scores better than round one, and we'll chat to you next week.